This is Box to Box Stoppage Time with Rob Gilbert and Derek Dyson. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. And Hoyt's Herbs and Spices. Changing the mood of food. Absolutely fantastic! Hello and welcome to Box to Box Stoppage Time. You're with Rob Gilbert, Derek Dyson and Willem van Denderen for a podcast spun off from our main show where we go through the highlights of the past week, our teams, moments of the week and plenty more. So Derek and Willem, uh, this is the final hurrah for the, the World Cup party. Uh, we've had a few days to reflect on some of our favourite moments um, and we're going to sort of wrap them up in a, a little uh, package here and, uh, and, and try to pick a couple of uh, bolters as well for uh, some of our nominations for the various categories we have come up, but uh, I, I sort of get a feeling, Derek, that um, the first uh, nomination for team of the tournament is going to be uh, unexpected from your point of view. Well, not 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 totally uh, unexpected. It's not going to be Qatar, Rob, but uh, <laughs> although that that would certainly would be a big shout. But I'm going for the the lose the losers, so to speak. France they didn't actually lose; they drew the game and lost on penalties, and and it's more just an ode to. French football since 1998, where my love affair with French football really started when Arsenal won their first league title under Wenger, and of course uh, Petit went on to score the goal in the in in the final to put the, uh, the the cherry on top of the cake for them there. But you know they've managed to regenerate this team so many different times now, different players, different managers. They've reached four World Cup finals. God, England are just trying to reach one since 1966, and France have been in four since 1998 and everyone goes on about Brazil and some of these other teams, but France really are the superstar world team. And, and yes, it, it wasn't their night on the night. They weren't great for pretty much all of the game apart from the final 20 minutes of, of, of normal time and relying on their talisman and Mbappe to get them, uh, keep them going. But, uh, you know, I think missing Kante and Pogba, you know, take those two out of any team or the equivalent of those two, that team's going to struggle. And France managed to find solutions through Griezmann in particular in the middle of the field, who was was awesome. And and yes, look, I'd have liked a, a French victory on 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 the night. Um, but, um, you know, they're still probably my team of the tournament. They gave us terrific value over the course of the games. Willem, you were there. You saw 13 games in total. You're... Yeah, blew out. It was a little bit greedy to say, Rob, but when you're over there and it's only an additional X amount of money, you might as well make the most of it. So, yeah, no, I saw plenty. And I want to nominate one that's a little bit offbeat, a team that I actually managed to take in all three group games of, and that was Canada. Derek, I'm not saying they were the top team of the tournament, but having looked at the cumulative table, which perhaps unnecessarily, but for whatever reason, it does the rounds, it ranks every team uh, and where they're finished in the World Cup. This team finished 31 of 32, and that just seemed a little bit fair, uh, a little bit unfair, I should say. I think they brought, you know, joie de vivre, better better attitude, better football than uh, of quite a number of previous winners, Germany, Spain, Uruguay. Uh, not that the Dutch have won one, but the Dutch made it right to the, uh, the pointy end. But I think Canada um, were exceptional. They were perhaps a little bit, uh, immature at certain stages. I don't think their manager helped them by coming out and saying they were going to uh, F up Croatia. That probably didn't help things too much. But um, yeah, I think this shows that 
we can be a little bit cynical at, at times with the World Cup and the same team sort of roll roll through and you expect to see the same sort of storylines. But I think Canada have shown, having not made it since 1986, uh, that there is still plenty of expansion and growth within certain nations if you can sort of build up over uh, over a fair period of time. And let's not forget, they absolutely smashed their qualifiers and they're going to be at the next one hosting. So the eyes of the world will be on them. They'll be central to the storyline. And uh, yeah, I think they will, uh, will look back and they'll be very happy that they managed to qualify for this one at a time when uh, things were tough because it gets easier. I mean, it gets easier for everyone now. Um, if you can make 32, you'll make 48. But I think this is a uh, an accomplishment that they'll hang their hat on despite the fact that that crude sort of table spat out a rough result for them. Yeah, I think it lends weight to the argument that um, that with a, a, a planet that uh, that measures itself in countries, and I think I'm right in saying there's 220-odd uh, uh, countries around the world that to have uh, less than a quarter of them represent the... Uh, uh, the World Cup um, that you get nations like uh, Canada um, get to the tournament stage and and and, and have hope and, and preparation uh, uh, to the right standard, then they're going to perform uh, reasonably well. So, so uh, good call there. Um, obviously, none of us are going to pick Argentina because I'm not. I'm going with uh, Walid Red, Red Wagi's uh, Morocco, the amazing story of uh, of the, um, the the North African Arab Berber nation, uh, the uh, the run that they made throughout the course of the World Cup. I think when we talk to Rob Stevens, he's original from BBC Sport. That is uh, his original prediction for the best performed African team was Senegal but that was before Sadio Mane was ruled out injured and then um, you had Morocco just come in uh, like a dark horse and just kept on winning and winning and winning and uh, um, and and making an incredible run uh, adding to the, the colour um, of the, the tournament with uh, with tens of thousands of, of fans and then ultimately uh, the, uh, the, the the final clash against France which you know on another day they could have won. There was a penalty shout that they could have been given uh, so you just hope that um, that they'll maintain uh, some level of performance at um, at uh, uh, the, the world level, and um, and we'll see eventually um, in the not too far distant future that breakthrough team outside of Europe and South America ultimately uh, win the the World Cup. Now, um, goal of the tournament, um, I'm just going to jump straight into this one because uh, I know uh, I was um, torn apart by uh, my um, uh, fellow host on the show, Derek Dyson, when I tried to give Matthew Leckie a rap uh, for scoring the goal to put Australia through the, the round of 16, suggesting that it was a bit of a plotter's goal, that um, uh, that it wasn't anything to really write home about. Derek, I don't think I'm throwing you under the bus there, uh, but he uh, he mm. was... Uh, you, do you think I am? Um, I'm, I'm verbal, verbaling you? Yeah, I mean, I, was, I wasn't getting, you know, huge hard-ons like the rest of you for it, but, uh, you know, I, def- I, def- I definitely didn't think it was... I wasn't throwing it under the bus, so I'd, it was a fine goal, um, but there have probably been better goals. Yeah, well, that's, that doesn't sort of uh, fit with my recollection of the way you spoke about it. So I suggest that anyone listening maybe sort of rewind a little bit and go back to the past episode and make your own judgment call. But uh, I thought that the way that he took the goal, the way that Roland McGree set him up, uh, the way that he made that run from about halfway, that he bamboozled the uh, the Danish defence and, and put it, uh, a pinpoint across the face of Kasper Schmeichel. And then the... St- this, the uh, the stature of the goal was underscored even further by the fact that it put Australia through to uh, the World Cup round against. Let's not forget the uh, uh, the losing semi finalists of the recent Euros, who were predicted by many as uh, as being a dark horse for the tournament. So that was my goal of the tournament. Um, Derek, uh, have you got a another? Um, yeah, well, I was going to go for about uh, vague horse second goal versus Argentina. Um, Probably not the best uh, 
the best goal in terms of pure technical ability, that would probably go to someone like, I hate to say it, Richarlison's goal for Brazil versus South Korea. And, and unfortunately, my Arsenal ways just won't allow me to fully acknowledge the quality of uh, the goal. But Veghorst, just the way that it was the audacity of the team move, the way that with virtually the last kick of the game, rather than having a pot shot, which would have been absolutely the, you know, no no one would have had any problems with, um, you know, someone having a dig from there. But the fact they played that slide rule ball through into the penalty area for Veghorst, who's much maligned, seen as a bit of a donkey up front, really. Didn't have the best goal-scoring record for Burnley when he came over to the Premier League, but he slid it into the corner, totally changed the game on his head, of course. We had the messages from Michael Edgley coming through on WhatsApp as he drank his way through a bottle of vodka in Doha and I, probably the worst impression ever, but can you believe it, boys? Can you can you believe it, boys? It was it was it was great fun to hear him uh, in such good spirit. So that vague cause for me. Yeah, that could go. Willem? Well, we should also add, Rob, that while Michael set a record that night when the Dutch and Argentina were going to toe-to-toe he for, for WhatsApp voice messages, he's then gone on to break it comfortably during the final. You counted up towards 33 voice messages, and when you caught him out on it, he informed you that they were gold, which probably says a little bit about where he's at at the moment. Well, we could, we might um, actually uh, send all the voice messages to Damo and he can put a little sting in between each of them and our listeners can get a, a special sort of behind-the-scenes insight into uh, Edge's, uh, Edge's comments. But, no, they were funny. He was getting very excited and he felt it was sort of like he, he wanted to be home with us uh, enjoying it uh, in, the, in the middle of the tournament. But, um, yeah, it... it I don't think he, he realised that that the reason why text messages historically are written is so that you can keep them. They're short messages uh, as opposed to just sort of, uh, uh, sort of spontaneously yeah, <laughs> waxing lyrical and, and giving uh, a, a two and three minutes sort of uh, uh, summaries of, the, of, uh, of what you're thinking while you're watching the game. Anyway, moving right along, um, player of the tournament. Uh, so, Derek, um, I think you've got a theme going here. I've got to give my goal. Oh, sorry, Willem. Rewind. It's one that's going to go down in history. Vinny Abubakar for Cameroon. 3-1 down against Serbia, and Serbia were cruising, and for mine were the best team in it that didn't get through to the round of 16. That was something of a sporting injustice that it was Switzerland. I think Serbia very entertaining, but the reason that they came unstuffed was because at 3-1 up, on came Abubakar and scored what can only be described as a stop and loft to stop with a, a keeper on rushing and a, a defender coming across you let the defender slide out almost Derek it was reminiscent of the famous Sol Campbell world's longest slide when he ended up in the uh, in the hoardings uh, and then to loft it 15 foot in the air whether he was taking the mick because he thought he was offside we'll never know the uh, the celebration with a couple of hand signals as well uh, it was brilliant and within a couple of minutes he'd set up another one so that got them to three all uh, he then made the final stages of their Brazil clash all about him with another goal a uh, a red car for taking his shirt off and quite a polite acknowledgement to the referee that that was all well and good uh, that was a brilliant goal for mine uh, so Abubakar that one will uh, stick in the mind yeah it was a it was a cracker in engulfing parlance got out the 60-degree lob wedge there as it uh, didn't have a lot of revs on it. It was just a big scoop. Uh, And, yeah, look, I think he meant it, and I think he knew that that was a viable way to score. And, yeah, there was probably heart in the mouth when it bounced because it was one of those that was so high it could have bounced over the bar. But luckily it uh, settled in the the top part of the net, and, yeah, it was a fine goal. 
Excellent. All right. Well, uh, nice call there. Some great memories bringing it all back in. Uh, well, not quite full living colour, but uh, sort of dragging it back from the archives of our memory. Now, the player of the tournament, uh, you're not going to go with the obvious one, Derek. But look at this. Well, I think it is pretty obvious. It's uh, Kylian Mbappe. He's uh, the golden boot winner. And there won't be any, I don't reckon there'll be a player ever again that will score a hat-trick in a World Cup final and lose. He scored three penalties uh, during the game as well, so showed quite a lot of nerve. You know, the French team were absolutely appalling, um, apart from Mbappe, who decided with 20 minutes to go that he was fed up of the way that the game was going. And look, he was just a constant menace uh, throughout throughout the tournament. So um, I know there's a, another player, Rob, that, that you think that was involved on the same pitch uh, that, that, that deserves this too. But again, probably my slight French bias but I've gone for, for Mbappe. I just felt it was a, a fabulous tournament. And I think if this was the Messi final, and I think we'll all remember it as that, I still think Mbappe comes out of it as the best player in the world. So I think it's hard to argue. And whilst um, you are a proud Scotsman, you do have half uh, English blood running through your veins. So some might suggest, our Argentinian listeners uh, might suggest that uh, you have a bias against Argentina, but uh, I wouldn't be one of those because uh, to suggest that Lionel Messi, who uh, with his uh, 21 World Cup goal contributions, 13 goals of his own boot and eight assists, the most by a man at any tournament since 1966. Uh, he's the only player to score in the group stage, around a 16 quarterfinal, semifinal and final in a single edition of the Men's World Cup. Um, he's uh, a, a player that uh, had to drag his team back uh, from the uh, opening round loss to Saudi Arabia with the weight of a nation on uh, the uh, shoulders, his uh, slight shoulders and uh, and and steer um, a, a negotiator path towards um, winning through uh, uh, a very, very uh, tricky uh, pathway, which ultimately led to uh, them having to, to beat uh, the, the reigning champions. So I think um, Lionel Messi, uh, uh, whilst Kylian Mbappe, well-deserved golden uh, boot, or uh, the um, player of the tournament, or the golden ball, I should say, uh, Kylian Mbappe for most goals scored the golden boot um, for Kylian, but uh, the player of the tournament definitely uh, deserved to, to lift that trophy, and he was uh, duly awarded it. Willem, have you uh, got any other nomination? I do. I think when I look back on this tournament, there's always two sides to it. There's the, the global top-line drama that we saw, the spearheads and Mbappe and Messi going at it in the World Cup finals, but there's always the Australian aspect to it as well, and I think back... I think when I look back in time at this tournament, for me, the players uh, with my sort of patriotic hat on will be Craig Goodwin and Mitch Duke. These two made their A-League debuts in 2012 in the, the sort of early 20s. Um, Goodwin with the old Melbourne Heart and Duke with the Central Coast Mariners. They both made their Socceroos debuts under Holger Osiek. It's going back a long time. They've both been sort of neglected and left aside through the Postacoglu era. Um, through the Van Marwijk era, certainly. They've both spent a lot longer out of the national team than they have within. They've both been overseas. They've come back to the A-League, overseas again, back to the A-League. It shows that if you persist and you keep working, there's nothing wrong with taking a step back to take two forward. And to have those two across our front line, getting the job done on the, nas- on the, on the world stage, uh, a goal for Duke, a goal for Goodwin, an assist for Goodwin, uh, and a, a big part in the goal that... Certainly made Argentina tighten up. Uh, I think, yeah, both of those both of those gents, as great servants of the Australian game, deserve uh, deserve hats off. Okay, well done. 
Um, Australia didn't um, make the round of 16 for no good reason, and there were plenty of great stories to tell. So uh, um, now, iconic moment of the tournament, um, I suppose there, there is one, Derek, that, that really just stands out, and, and despite all of the dissection of... Uh, his team's lost this play. You're going to nominate, and his um, moment is he's going to go down in the uh, uh, well, the rogues gallery of, of penalty misses. Yeah, it's quite the gallery for England, isn't it? The uh, the, uh, the 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 failures at major tournaments, and unfortunately for Harry Kane, and I feel this comes to me quite naturally, piling on a Harry Kane. I can't can't think why, but um, you know, classic moment for England. Uh, you know, he, he is a talismanic captain. He did go through, through the... Did he equal the record? I'm not quite sure he broke the England goal-scoring record, but only a matter of time will he overtake uh, Wayne Rooney. But unfortunately, his penalty is still in orbit at the moment. It was a, hor- a horrible penalty. I was stood on the first tee of a golf day, and there were about 20 blokes there, of which 10 of us were all stood holding our phones, looking at this, and it was all out of sync so all of us were gasping uh, gasping at the same time so um you know it's it's just uh you know one of those things that you'll remember where it is and you know Badil and Skinner will no doubt be able to write another verse of three lines now and refer refer to refer to this one we did talk in the the main show about England and this terrible record now that continues having not won a major tournament since uh, 1966, um, and the Gareth Southgate really does have his work cut out now to stop this team being a bridesmaid, perennial bridesmaid, and me becoming the bride. But let's just say it wouldn't have been a classic World Cup without something like this happening to England. No, 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 I'm not going to trump that. I was um, in the studio at uh, 3AW um, explaining the game. I happened to find myself uh, uh, there uh, as uh, Harry was. Uh, uh, about to take that penalty and explaining to the person that I was with who wasn't a big football fan that uh, what we were watching was uh, was one of would be remembered for better or for worse as one of the most iconic moments of the tournament and she said did he just kick that over the par <laughs> it was like gobsmacking stuff well no, very much so. I think I will throw up an iconic moment from the group stages again it didn't play a part in the you know the way the tournament played out in totality but I think we're going to remember for years to come, just like Suarez punching one off the line in 2010, I think we're going to remember the cutback on the line for Al Tanaka's uh, go-ahead goal for Japan against Spain uh, that ultimately sent Germany packing. Uh, there were three or four minutes there in the final round of uh, group stages in, uh, in what was it? Bear with me for one second. Group... Uh, to, to, to Group E, uh, where it was going to be Japan and Costa Rica going through at the expense of winners, uh, past winners Spain and Germany. So that was, uh, yeah, one of the more dramatic moments in World Cup history, I think, Derek, the culmination of that group and the culmination of all the groups across uh, the final days of uh, the third round of matches and particularly that ball just sitting on the line there to, uh, to send Germany out. And I think it was fair enough. I think Germany came with a pretty sort of Lackadaisical attitude. They uh, they got rolled in their first game and never really got going. So when you kick off a tournament like that, you are going to leave yourself liable to the fine margins. Yeah, I've been sticking the boot into England for a lot of this podcast, but <laughs> Germany have got much more work to do. And under uh, under Flick, Hansi Flick, there wasn't a great tournament. I know they nearly pulled it out of the fire in the last game, but yeah, as you said, they left, left themselves with far more too much work to do that I don't think they lacked 
I think they lacked urgency against Spain. They, they almost felt like a draw was going to be enough and then they would back themselves to beat Costa Rica and, and squeak through. But I think this World Cup has shown us and maybe another iconic memory is just actually, you know, the Moroccos, the, the Saudis, the, the, the games that, that really did kind of shake, shake things up. Of course, Argentina emulated Spain by losing their first game and going on to win the tournament. But I think as I put it to Henry Winter in an earlier podcast, I do feel like world football is coming closer to the, the traditional. And yes, we had a France and uh, Argentina final, but I do feel like some of the confederations are definitely sort of keeping up and, and starting to get closer to the bigger boys. Yeah, fair point. And um, that uh, that day, I felt that there was a, a storyline being written in the stars around Morocco. And um, you know, in a sliding doors moment, um, they they might well have beaten France and ended up playing Argentina in that final, but it wasn't to be. Okay, so um, it's got to be uh, uh, drawn to a conclusion. This podcast, the party's just about over. The lights are being d- turned down, and the uh, the hosts are asking us uh, to go back home. Um, so let's just wrap it up with uh, final thoughts uh, on Qatar 2022. Yeah, look, it's, uh, you know, I think as we called it in the last episode, it's been a, not just the last few weeks. It's been that whole roller coaster, particularly following the Socceroos and will they, won't they make it uh, to this tournament? And, you know, thank goodness they did because they provided us with such uh, amazing memories. Uh, I think Qatar did the job as the host. I think there was some consternation, um, sort of dispatches back from Edge that things weren't all as they seemed. And as he was kind of scurrying around trying to uh, get his final preparation sorted out. But, you know, the stadiums are all there. Uh, the the games all, uh, you know, went through and we had some fantastic football. So regardless of how we arrived at the decision to host uh, uh, have ho- guitar host the tournament and how we felt the tournament came together off the field and we've covered that in the show we're not putting it under the carpet but uh, I feel like once the show actually got on we saw some terrific football and um, no more so than in in the uh, the group games and you know they were going to scrap this format and it looks like FIFA are going to take another look at that again they're, they're concerned about dead rubbers and maybe this idea of just having loads of teams and loads of football and loads of advertising revenue, even they have now decided that this uh, this group phase, as uh, Infantino called it, the best group stages ever. Uh, Willem, you were there. You, you know, would you agree with Gianna, Gianni? Were they the best group stages ever? I think certainly the tournament was at its peak during the final round of group stage matches. I think it was only France that won both games, uh, that won their first two games. So it was all to play for during that uh, during that third bracket of matches. I hope we don't long for this format, Derek. I, I fear that we will, I think, to shift to teams, uh, to groups of three is just totally impractical. You can't go all the way to the World Cup and only play um, play two games. That really, really cheapens uh, the stage for mine. So I think the only way to compromise and to get it to work is to have groups of four, keep the drama, keep the jeopardy that we saw. Uh, and if you have to have a sort of strange little interim round where you kick out a few sides to get back to a nice even 16, I think that has to be done. They're not going to reverse their decision to have 48 sides, but hopefully they can reverse the decision around the three team groups. 
Well, with what you said in mind, well, I mean, going all that way just to play two games. Well, what's what's wrong with uh, uh, one of the models that's being discussed of um, of of a handful of the uh, the highest ranked third place sides going through that models used in a, in a few different tournaments. So, uh, um, you know, I, I I sort of see you pulling a face as I say that you don't seem to like it, but uh, but it is one model that works and um, and is a more gradual process of knocking teams out. I think, Derek. I think we like that one, but I think that you sort of put up with it during the Euros and the Asian Cup because you know um, there may be secondary tournaments. Does, does that make sense? I think when it comes to the World Cup, I, I certainly want the sort of delineation of the, of the top two. I mean, it's only going to make it more mathematic, more complex uh, during those tense final rounds when goals are flying in and the, the permutations and the tables are changing minute on minute to sort of have to take into account which play which team is in third place, who's going through. I think it's just going to make it more complicated. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm all, I'd am i almost say I'd be prepared for it to be a 64-team World <laughs> Cup if it meant that we could keep the the four-group stage structure. I'm not sure any of us would be able to cope if uh, we had that much football to uh, to digest. But, yeah, progress, you know, we can't. We, things never ch- say the same, of course. Things are always evolving, but... I think we anything to avoid dead rubber games contrived results. I don't think anyone needs that. So it looks like FIFA's going back to the drawing board, and hopefully we can have a, a, a equally as good a World Cup when we, when it comes to the next one. Um, we've had the first Arab World Cup, I think, for all the, the things that we've maligned it for, and rightly so. I think in in many ways, uh, it has been good to be in another part of the world. We are going back to, I suppose, more familiar territory now in sort of North America and Central America. It will feel a little bit more like a usual World Cup. I'm sure Budweiser will be able to sell their beers in the in the stadiums and there's obviously a lot more geography, a lot more grounds covered. Don't think we'll, you know, we'll be, you know, you'll be having the same kind of time while I'm just going nipping around a city watching watching different games. But I think probably it will be interesting to see where the World Cup goes after that because, you know, Qatar is the future. And, you know, uh, Saudi Arabia are talking about 2030. There'll be nothing about this tournament that will put them off from doing it. They'll see that it's viable. You can have it in a in a, in a, in a Muslim country. You can, you can sort of lay down the law when it comes to uh, your own principles and beliefs. And, it, and it's very viable. And, of course, uh, FIFA will always follow the money. So, uh, yeah, roll on the next one um, and uh, we'll see where it goes from there. Yeah, I don't think uh, any of us could disagree with that little summation there, Derek. All right, well, well done, boys. Um, I, I know I wished everybody a, a happy Christmas uh, after the pod earlier in the week, but I'll, I'll reiterate it, boys. Uh, we're only a few days away now as this podcast drops. Uh, uh, have a great Christmas. I'm going to take a couple of weeks off. Edge is going to come in to the chair. And uh, what, what's the what did you describe um, the uh, the threesome uh, in my absence as well? Uh, you were part of Dino's original Fun Boy Three, Rob. But oh, yes. uh, it was you, me, and, and Dino. Whenever Edge would have a uh, Edge would have a week off, Dino would call it the Fun Boy Three. He had his little quirks and pop culture references. That's why we called Derek Del Boy Del. Uh, mm. But with you gone, we'll we'll make a new Fun Boy Three. It'll be Derek, Michael, and myself holding forth for the next couple of weeks, Rob. So enjoy your spell, Mike. Too. Thank you, mate. Happy Christmas. And to you too. And Derek, to you too. Yeah, Bon Noel. Well done. And Damo, Bon Natale.
to you as well, uh, our good uh, Italian friend uh, sitting behind the buttons who always does a, an outstanding job pulling this thing together. Thanks again for everything you do. And to all our listeners, thank you for uh, supporting us during the course of the year. Uh, we hope you and your families and your loved ones uh, are all safe and well over Christmas and the new year and you get some chance, some time to relax and uh, watch a bit of that Christmas and New Year uh, club football as it comes back um, and uh, will hopefully, from an Australian point of view, uh, things settle down. We discussed that in the podcast earlier in the week. Please make sure you subscribe to Box to Box Stoppage Time and Offside, wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave us a rating. We'd love a rating. We've got some very nice ratings on uh, the podcatchers and, uh, and and if you're a regular listener, we'd love you to add yours. Uh, tweet us at Box to Box NTS and follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook and make sure you join us throughout the week as our podcast drop and we go from one end of the pitch to the other in the world game.